This very special edition of the Nick Ba podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, uh, if you haven't noticed, it's freezing outside. It's snow everywhere. It's cold out there. And if you're cold inside, well, you know what the issue is. You probably need to look at your windows. You need to holler at your local Pella, Omaha, and Lincoln experts about taking a look at your windows because you know what? You can save energy and stay warm with windows from Pella that are properly installed the patented Pella way by professionals using windows and doors with the highest energy efficiency ratings in the industry from Energy Star. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. you got to take advantage of Temperature Tuesdays. Do you realize that an original Runza sandwich this past week here on uh, on Tuesday would have been 12 cents, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, 12 cents when you purchase a medium fry and a medium drink because the temperature at 6 a.m. every Tuesday in January and February in Runzaland is the price you will pay for an original Runza sandwich when you purchase a medium fry and a medium drink. That's a heck of a deal you got to take advantage of. So take advantage of it and get out to Runza, get your temperature Tuesday game right, and tell them your pal Nick Baugh sent you. Certainly no shortage of news in the Nebraska football world. Uh, the big news uh, of the week, obviously, Luke McCaffrey and his announcement that he is entering the transfer portal. Uh, lots to talk about there. I mean, also, Cade Warner, Matt Farniak also announcing they're leaving as well. But the big one, Luke McCaffrey, has uh, entered his name in the transfer portal. He is uh, transferring out of Nebraska. Of course, I had to holler at my guy, Bo Robert Rude. And, uh, and and break it all down. So without further ado, let's get to it. Yours truly, former black shirt, Bo Rude, breaking it all down with the news that Luke McCaffrey is transferring from Nebraska. Enjoy. Well, he's he's not he's not six feet away from me. He is uh, he's we are both in Lincoln, Nebraska. But Bo Robert Rude is at his house. I'm at my house, and there are a variety of reasons why we are not together. One of which is 67 inches of snow have hit Lincoln. How are you? How many times did you shovel your driveway? Nick, coming coming at you here from inside an igloo. I hope you can hear me. We're, we are frozen in, Nick. <laughs> It's crazy. Uh, dude, I, I am not even joking you. I, I I spent three hours shoveling today. And that's not an exaggeration. It took me three hours to get my driveway, my my sidewalks, oh. and then my car was in the street and it got smothered and I, I couldn't get the car out. So I had to shovel it out. I'd back it up and get stuck in the na- I mean, we had the neighbors out. You know, guy came from down the street with a snowblower, like, you need some help. But, I mean, the neighborhood came together today. Let me just tell you that. Yes. The neighborhood came together, but it was a disaster. Yeah. I I snowblowed my driveway. I brought the snowblower out three times. I did it twice. Wait, wait, Nick, hold on. Time out. Yeah. You own a snowblower. Oh, I own a snowblower. Did I have what? to get my wife to to really turn it on for me? I did. I'd be like, Kim, can you show me how we, uh, we turn this hog on here? <laughs> Well, we prime it. Horse- oh, you like to prime it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. How many horsepower you got in that hood, Nick? How many horsepowers? <laughs> two, two, maybe three horsepower in that thing. That's all you need. Really get the job done. But. One, one horsepower, but it's one of those big Budweiser horses that are really big. Clydesdale. That's, that's what it is. But it, it is. This has been, this has been nuts, man. I mean, this is uh, four. What is it? Was it fourteen or fifteen inches? Like top five single, uh, top. 
snowfall in a single day in Lincoln history. Like, this has been bananas, man. I mean, I've had quite the uh, – speaking of unmanly things, because you and I have not communicated, you hear about your boy, your boy last week driving home. So I did Indiana at Iowa last Thursday, and I'm driving home from Iowa City, and right outside Des Moines, boom, I blow a tire. <laughs> like at 12.30 in the morning, it is – 15 degrees outside I pull off to the shoulder and you know me and my ability to handle anything that requires manliness I was like your, I'm gonna die did your dad drive to <laughs> Des Moines to fix it because I'm guessing that's what you were thinking is that would like so Rich is gonna come fix this huh it would have been Rich Ba but he would hit I mean he was asleep phone was off Luckily, I'm on the phone with my wife. She helps me out with, like, the all-state roadside assistance. They come in. This guy comes at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. He fixes my flat tire. I am, like, I have, like, a suit on, and this guy's, like, this prissy city boy with his Kohan shoes thinking he can do it. I mean, I was no help to this guy. It was horrible. It was horrible. I thought I was going to die on the side of the road. Did Do you know, like, did you know if you had to change it yourself, where to get the tire and the jack? And no. No way. It might, I, I swear to God, I my solution. Guessing. I thought you were going to tell me you did it yourself no. and I was going to be blown away, but no, this is better this way. Could you, could well, you do it? Like, you're, like, you got to do it to survive. Could you do it? Oh, I've done it. I've done it. Look at you. I I, I've changed two tires in my lives, uh, in my life here. So it, uh, <laughs> I can do it. It's it's not something that you you like doing, but yeah, you got to be able to do it, you know. <sighs> so I've had quite the uh, yeah. So then I did, and then I didn't realize. I'm glad I talked to the to the you know the tow truck or the the you know the tire change dude. He was like, I was like, so how fast can you go on these? You can't go very fast. He's like, no, you want to keep it around forty, maybe fifty mile an hour tops. I'm like, okay. And he was like, where? How far you got to go? I was like, I got to go to Lincoln, Nebraska. He laughed at me. He's like, oh no no no. He goes, they only recommend you go about 50 miles tops on this thing. He's like, you need to get into Des Moines, get a hotel, and figure this out tomorrow. And I was like, okay. So I had to get a hotel in Des Moines. But did you know that? I, I would have – I'm glad I would have asked or I would have tried – I would have, like, idiotically tried to, like, ride this donut all the way back to Lincoln. You know, I guess I'd never I – see, I mean, I've seen people that are just driving around. Yeah, like, I think they thought. go – they go months in, on their donut, which I think is probably terrible for the car. I would have guessed you could, you couldn't like go to wherever you need to get to, um, if you had to. But I, I didn't know there was like a fifty mile limit. Yeah, that's what he said. I mean, so your boy got your boy got his West Des Moines Marriott game right. Woke up in the morning, found a a place that can fix the tire, hightailed it back. Was back for Mava's fifth birthday. You know, and it was, uh, yeah. So it's been kind of a chaotic handful of days. And then you add in this, you know, 67 inches of snow. It's a lot going on in the world right now. It's a lot. Well, yeah, that, well, that's a lot of, the amount of travel you've had just in general is insane. Yeah. Um, But then you throw this, this storm we have, which Nick, the only storm comparable that I can remember is the 96 storm where we, the whole city shut down, power outage, and, and everybody was off school. So every, anybody from our generation remembers that. Oh, yeah. I don't remember one as big as that, but this is the only thing even close where I'm like, you know, 
shoveling was a nightmare and it has stopped it's kind of stopped everybody's world today yes yeah it i can't so you so shoveling shoveling just murders your back and are you you got to be kind of sore nick my shovel broke oh god with like i had like I had a little bit to go. My shovel broke. The snow was so heavy. And so I was basically having to hold the end part oh, only oh. and finish the job with like a, might as well have been like a, you know, a dustpan. Oh, <laughs> I was God. like, damn it. <laughs> oh, so it was a Horrible. bad day. So my, that was my workout for the day, though. I was beat afterwards. Yeah. You know you're getting old and you got a dad bod where it's like you snow blow them. Like, is that my workout? Is snow blowing? <laughs> you consider it. <laughs> Hey, I'll give you that. You can shoveling's a workout. You consider the snowblow. Yeah, snowblow is not. I, I got my workout on. You'd have been proud of me. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of drama going on in my life, but there's just continuing to be Barut drama in the Nebraska Nebraska football world. And we got, I mean, shoot, it wasn't the the Wandell Robinson pond we did was not. I mean, what was that like two weeks ago? And here we are two weeks later, like stories are just piling up. But we got to start with the big story of today. It's January twenty sixth. And today, Luke McCaffrey announced that he is transferring. Um, there's so many different perspectives and angles and elements to to discuss. I want to start with, from just from a Nebraska football perspective, from like the team perspective, here's kind of where I'm at with it with that, then I'll throw it to you. Like, if we're looking at this from like Luke McCaffrey, the quarterback – I didn't ever see him as the long-term answer at quarterback. He was an athlete playing quarterback and was a project that had a long ways to go, in my opinion. So if we are viewing this purely from a quarterback team perspective, like I don't, I don't necessarily think this is that devastating of a blow. Where do you fall on the... Like just the quarterback, looking at it from like the quarterback room perspective for Nebraska. Um, I I would say I, I agree with kind of your sentiments, right? Like it's not a devastating blow by any means, right? It, it's it's sort of we we know kind of after seeing Luke, like you, you saw the ceiling with his arm, right? That that became clear right away once he started throwing passes. You kind of went. Uh oh, like this guy's right. gonna have to win these games with his legs and with Moxie all the time because it's never gonna be something where he even I don't think there's even a, a ceiling where he develops that that arm. So I think that alone, uh on the quarterback side, you feel okay, not a devastating blow. He, he is a guy you do want on your team, yes. though. He was a guy that I think elevated other people with his work ethic and he was uh, you know he was just a really um competitive you know we need we need more competitive tough guys which i felt he was um but in terms of the quarterback room you know he added depth and sort of like an easy safe you know guy you could throw in there and run the ball a bunch and have a chance but he he was never going to be our franchise guy you know he was never going to be the quarterback to turn this program around um, so in that sense, I'm kind of like, well, it is what it is, I guess, you know, yeah. well, I, I, that's because you touched on exactly what my other, my other thought and angle of it was if we're, so if we're viewing it from Luke, the quarterback 
I don't think it's that devastating of a blow. But if we're viewing it from the perspective of Luke McCaffrey, the athlete, Luke McCaffrey, the competitor, I think this is a big loss. Like I, and you and I kind of touched on this towards the end of the Wandale pod that we recorded. Like, if we're viewing him from like a weapon on the team, put him in the at the wide receiver, put him in the slot, run some jet sweeps and reverses. Maybe even you have a package in there where you do some like reverse passes with him, like especially because Nebraska, we all know, is pretty low on weapons. Like, and then what you just said, by all accounts, the guy's like awesome teammate, great work ethic, all that stuff. Like from that aspect, it it hurts. So I think it's all how you want to view it. Like, are you ready for a horrible analogy? Like. Joey Tribbiani on Friends, Matthew LeBlanc, <laughs> like he's in, as as a part of the ensemble of Friends. I'm all in on Joey Tribbiani, but then when Joey had to have his own show where it's all about Joey, I'm not all in on Joey. That okay, sense? that's actually not bad. You where see what I'm you, saying? Sorry that I was I was just laughing because that, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> um, you with? Yeah, but I mean, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, Luke Luke McCaffrey when he threw that 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 ball backwards against Illinois to start the game out, um, I think that was his career at Nebraska. I literally think he threw away his career because isn't it amazing? The, I agree. It, it is, and you know the thing with Luke is, in my opinion, I see I see moments where in people's careers where the world's trying to give you the, a chance. And that was Luke's chance this year where the coaching staff gave him a couple opportunities to be a hero. You know, they bring him in against Ohio state and Northwestern to come try to win the game. And he fell short. They stuck with him and gave him the keys to, to the, to the whole, uh, to the whole team. And, you know, he, he just, that Illinois game kind of sealed his fate in my opinion. Like Isn't that he, amazing? he played, he played so bad against them. Uh, through three interceptions and that that especially that opening fumble like you kind of go well, what do we what's the future if if that's kind of where we're at with him you know like and you saw the arm and you go it, it just became pretty clear like every opportunity was there to sort of be the hero and and have a chance and I, I, he just missed it I think he missed it and the ceiling's not high enough to to really fight for him after that I think it so, is pretty amazing know. to think that like it's pretty rare that you can pinpoint one specific play that didn't result in an injury, you know, like one specific yeah. play that you can point to, but like that's where it all fell apart for him. Like literally the first play of the Illinois game was the beginning of the end of Luke McCaffrey at Nebraska. And so when you, I, so I will say then the other element of this is looking at it from Luke McCaffrey's perspective. I can understand Luke's sitting there, and I can understand his line of thinking in wanting to leave to a certain degree. Like, only one guy can play. Um, as we're pointing out, he had his shot, Bo. Like, he had his shot. He had the keys to the car. The world was in his hands. He had to go make it happen, and he didn't make it happen. And then once you once you have the keys and then you give them back, you're in trouble because Luke, because it did appear that Adrian Martinez kind of then reestablished himself for the moment as the man and the starting quarterback. And so if I, I can understand if you're Luke McCaffrey, you're sitting here going, okay, man, I had my shot. I've gone down this path of battling Adrian Martinez, and it didn't work out. 
I want to be a quarterback and Lou and Adrian's now the guy. Like, is that because I was curious how you saw it from Luke's perspective? Yeah, I like, I'm not even mad at Luke because, you know, I, I think if you read the Nebraska papers, there's they say it without saying it, but like, all roads point to, hey, do you want to try receiver this year? <laughs> no, like, truly, like, the the best, like, Frost is trying to do him a favor by calling him a quarterback. What we all want him to do is sort of be some sort of hybrid role where he might play some quarterback snaps, but it's really it's receiver, run the ball, and contribute where you can. That's, that's where he sh- would be at his best. His future, if he has a future professionally, would be there. And that's the part, it's like, it's, it's hard to say that and people are really sensitive to quarterbacks, yep. but like, that's that's where he would benefit us the most. And if he's so gung-ho on being a quarterback, then this is probably not the place for him. And and I think that's, that's where you can understand, you know, where Luke's coming from, because I think that's all he wants to do is be a quarterback. Right. And, th- and that's the thing that, that's kind of the million dollar question of, and, and I'm with you, like you kind of read between the lines and you can kind of make your own, you know, connect the dots to kind of make your own deductions on what those conversations sounded like behind the scenes. But, but it, if it sounded something like, Hey, if Frost is like, Hey Luke, we want you here, but we want to, we want you to start working at wide receiver and some other positions. And Luke's like, no, I want to be solely a quarterback. That's what I want to be. Well, I can get where that's there's now, you know, we've hit a fork in the road, right? Where it's like, yeah. And, and so if Luke was, if Luke is like, I am a quarterback period and Frost is sitting there going, nah, man, we're going to, you know, you're going to be an emergency quarterback, but we want to give Smothers a chance to kind of, you know, see what he can do. Adrian's reestablished himself. Then I can totally understand how it all arrived at this point that here we are recording a podcast that he is deciding to leave. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think the coaches like flat out said, we want you a receiver. I think they will, they would have said compete for the job. You know, he adds depth there, but I, I, I think it becomes more clear that he is like, maybe even to him that, that the opportunities there are probably going to be a lot harder to get back, right. you know? Right. And I don't know. Did you hear this? I heard kind of through the rumor mill that, he might be going to play for his dad at Northern Colorado. I hadn't heard that, but I had heard, I heard that rumor and that was before this whole thing came out. Cause I was like, you know, this was days ago. Somebody told me that McCaffrey might be traveling. I was like, really? I go, I hadn't seen anything on that, but they said, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, potential would be go play for his dad, which, you know, Nick, if you're going to go go play quarterback, that's yeah. probably a place he could go be effective. Yeah. Um, Worst competition, but you know he would be yeah. That makes a sense. Superior athlete, you right? Know? That makes sense. That I, I hadn't heard that, but that like if that if we get an announcement and that's what he's going to do, I think everybody's going to be like, I get it. You know, he's going down a level that's probably more a level where he can he can be a pretty pretty good quarterback at that level. You're playing for your dad, like that. That's hard to argue with if that's what. It's well, and that would be a, that would be really cool for him and his dad. Like that would yes. be amazing, right? So I I can. I can wrap my mind around that. Um, do you – I do think – and, you know, let's get into the, the 
the optics perspective of all this because that's been, you know, hopping on Twitter a little bit today. I didn't get a chance to listen to a ton of sports talk radio um, to kind of get a pulse of kind of where people are, how the fan base is feeling about this. But, you know, I mean, like the nature of fans at times is they want to, you know, they want to sound the alarms and freak out at everything. And I'll admit, like, the the optics and how this all looks is probably not great. Like, his last name, McCaffrey, is kind of football royalty right now. Um, I do think Frost, the fact that he, Frost called Luke the future of the program in a, pref, in a press conference uh, this season, which I bet he wishes he could have back. And I think we maybe took that maybe too literally, if that makes sense. Like, and... It's always not good when a high-profile player leaves your program, and and it's all in combination of Wandale left, uh, Cade Warner, who is a captain, is leaving, Farniok left, Mills left, like all the guys on the – there's kind of a mass exodus on that side of the ball. Optics-wise, it's probably not great. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, to me, to me, the Wandale one is so much worse than Luke because Wandale uh, – he got every opportunity in the world with us and he thinks that, that he doesn't want that now. He does. Yeah. He'd rather have something else. And that, and that one, I think, I think stings everybody. Um, In terms of like reality though, like what are we losing? Like, I don't think our team has been weakened significantly other than like, yeah, Wandale, like that's, that, that hurts. But like between Luke and Cade Warner, I mean, Cade Warner, um, wasn't even playing at the end of the year. He couldn't, you know, he couldn't stay in the field. It's just odd because he's a captain and he, you know, that's just, I think that's the part that that I struggle with like kids today almost because that doesn't mean anything to Cade Warner, right? As much as he did a good job. It is amazing. Right. Being a captain, you're a captain and you walk on that got elected captain. And he's like, Oh, I'd rather just go somewhere else. And it's like, really? Like, like, are you going to do something better somewhere else? Like, what do you mean? Like, like you, you know, like there's a, there's a ceiling there too. Like great kid worked hard, became a captain, was a leader. Like your future is in leadership, not football. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Like, I know. I, I don't know. Same thing. Like it, it captain, the captaincy was a big deal to me. And I, I, I'm, I guess I might be a little sensitive to people that, that it's not, but you can't tell me it means a lot to you if you you if you're in that situation in the next you know you, you, next second you you bail and go oh I got something else I want to do it's right like, oh, okay yeah I mean because I totally with you like I can say that yeah optics wise it's not a great look but at the same time I mean Bo let's be honest for most most of the season or if we had talked to a lot of people like a week or two ago. Most people thought Luke McCaffrey wasn't the future at quarterback and didn't think he was a good enough thrower. Cade Warner was kind of branded as, if he has to be your wide receiver, you're in trouble. And then you have a guy like Matt Farniak has been a career backup. So it it kind of feels a little disingenuous to for a lot of people to feel that way and that kind of be the narratives that were out there. And then all these guys leave and you're like, code red, code red, culture problem, disaster in Lincoln. What's wrong with Frost? You know what I mean? Like, and, and again, I might be They're like, the guys that can't stay in the field. Like right. Wandale's the one that like, he Way was worse. our guy yes. trying to get the ball to Wandale. That playing time wasn't an issue in this situation with Wandale with everybody else. That's all it was. Like they couldn't get on the field. 
and they're not going to get on the field. Yeah, so that's you, 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 you phrased it right. Like from like, was the football team greatly weakened? Like, eh. no, I, I don't think I mean, Wandale. Yes. Like Wandale. I think I, I now to, to what degree is maybe debatable. I mean, Frost even kind of intimated at that being like uh, that. He makes it sound, you know, like now we can kind of, I think, push the ball down the field, all those kinds of things without Wandale here. Certainly you'd rather have him here than not. But like with, with Luke McCaffrey gone, Cade Warner gone, Matt Farniot gone, like, I, do I think the football team has been the offensive side of the ball has been greatly weakened? I really don't. I don't. No, I think all really all it comes down to is like if 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 this receiver transfer is uh, anywhere close to kind of what what uh, you know He's made out to be. Yeah, yeah. It's like to me that's a one for one swap with Wandale almost. If he is. If he is that, it's like I said, Wandale's tough, love the kid, great player, but not a program changer. He is limited in a lot of things where if this other guy is good, it almost opens this offense up a little bit because you had to force it to Wandale in a certain set of plays that I think is limiting in itself. I think, you know, like I said, it's not a good thing Wandale left, but that doesn't mean our offense is going to be entirely worse than last year. It might be better than last year. So, with all that said, if there were, if we were all together in my podcast room and two guys that we have a lot of respect for walked in, in Scott Shanley and Sage Rosenfels, they would here here would be their counters to us because okay. and we'll and we'll just you know we'll we'll parse through it. Scott Shanley tweeted this uh, this afternoon. He said, truth time. Can't spin it as not that big of a deal when you lose Cade Warner, Luke McCaffrey, Wandale Robinson in two weeks. Lost a team captain, a kid with tremendous upside slash bloodlines, and a kid who was your most versatile weapon. I don't know what's going on, but this doesn't make you better. That's Scott Shanley's perspective on this. Like, I I mean... I think it's one of those things like I can understand elements of what you're saying. I don't think you and I are saying this is like a good thing, you know, like, but just because something isn't a, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I don't think this is necessarily code red bad thing either. Fair? Fair. And you know what? I'll I'll actually, uh, I'll go back to it. I I read an article, I think Sip, Steve Sipple from the Lincoln Journal Star just put out an article today from Applebee's. Um, was he at Was he at Chili's <laughs> when he wrote it? Uh, Sip, are you there? Are you uh, uh, live from Applebee's? I think we have Steve Sip. Stevie, there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. They got a you, they got a pick two combo with mozzarella sticks. <laughs> they don't got any marinara sauce, so it's. <laughs> What was your take on uh, on uh, catch relief? <laughs> where I wish I really was is Perkins. You want a good breakfast? Perkins is where you gotta where you gotta go. Uh, okay, what did Steve Sipples call him live from Applebee's, wishing he was at Perkins? Say, um, well, essentially, it, it was something along the lines of that. It's it's this transfer portal in general and especially this year um i I think nebraska fans think it's only us when in reality he like he had a number and it was something like yeah there's been nine or ten or twenty transfers from every team it's been a number that was like 
outdoing Nebraska, which I was surprised. I thought we had like more of a, an exodus than, than normal. And it turns out I think everybody is dealing with this sort of mass, you know, transit of players. Just this free movement uh, this year has been just like it, it's it's shaking things up. I want to say it was like, yeah, he had, I think the number was like, well, I think it was 1,400 players in the yeah. transfer portal. I know it's over 1,000. And I want to say I each think- each Big Ten team was averaging 9 or 10 transfers. That's it. It was nine or ten and fourteen hundred <laughs> kids in the transfer portal. Right. I mean, that's a huge number. Right. And and that's the part that is is so strange. And I think you can go, oh, what's going on in Nebraska? And it's like, well, you know what? If you have to sit out a year, and it's not, you know, it's not easy. Where you know maybe you get denied to a school and conference or to like, it, that changes everything. Like you wouldn't probably go then, right? It might be worth waiting another year and seeing what happens. But now it's like people just go, like if you're not playing, you just go to where you can go play. And that's a different mindset, you know? Right. And that that's the thing I think that not every Nebraska fan probably totally grasped is like, this is sort of the new era where it's, it's not about we as much as it is about me. <laughs> and it's, it's maybe hard to understand. Like when team captains leave that, you know, used to be a dream that you get on the field as a walk-on, you know, receiver in Nebraska. Right. Dude was Let a alone walk-on be a captain, captain as a junior. Like, give me a break. That's right. amazing. Yeah, I know. I Well, table that because there's elements of that that I want to get into in a second here. But the other thing that, that then Sage Rosenfels tweeted that I think is interesting in the in the fact that like how much there, there's this weird element with the fact of who the these guys last names are like if this was Luke so it's Luke McCaffrey and Cade Warner so I mean you got Ed McCaffrey Christian McCaffrey and Kurt Warner attached to these guys names like and what's weird is that's a part of it I think you, we can't like separate them from that but at the same time we also like to add that makes this feel like a bigger deal than maybe it really is you know what I mean like if it was instead of it was Luke McCaffrey was Luke Smith instead of Cade Warner it was Cade Johnson or whatever you know like maybe maybe this isn't as big of a deal because that's what Sage Rosenfels tweeted now granted I mean he's an Iowa State guy so I mean Take this was the great assault. He tweeted, Nebraska football reminds me of the time that Army used to have a highly regarded nationally ranked football program. By the way, these two players, talking about McCaffrey and Cade Warner, are sons of former NFL players. Their dads know a bad culture when they see one. And I just don't think that's entirely fair. Like, I mean, this is a culture that gave these kids every opportunity to succeed and they didn't do it. They couldn't do it. You know, to me, that's, that's what it is. Like they, they can't stand the field. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like a bad culture is a culture that doesn't, you know, probably they'd say a bad culture would be one that doesn't give your kids the opportunities. Like they gave them every opportunity. They made your kid a captain. Like, like, you know, like what more can you do for a kid? Yeah, like your your kid <laughs> was a mean? captain on that. Because even because you know, I read that and I kind of cringed, but then the reason I push back on that at least with Kurt Warner is 
Kurt Warner had I'm trying he so Kate posted a statement on Twitter and then Kurt responded to it and Kurt Warner said thanks Husker Football Nation for giving this young man a chance and allowing him to make some of his dreams come true but as I know well sometimes a change a change comes and great things can follow to be continued so I think like if if Kurt Warner was really behind the scenes you know telling everybody man this uh, you want to know what a shitty culture is Scott Frost in Nebraska like you wouldn't even tweet that out so I don't I also I guess I, I want to yeah. push back on Sage's narrative that like you know Kurt and Ed McCaffrey and Chris McCaffrey are on like a zoom call together like how terrible is Nebraska's culture we need to get our family members out of there like eh, I don't know about that let's take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime pals and loyal supporters of the podcast Pella windows and doors you know Pella has a window type for every home and every budget And you might know Pella for its award-winning wood windows, but did you know that Pella also has a complete line of industry-leading patented fiberglass and vinyl windows? Pella's fiberglass windows use a patented Duracast material, more durable than aluminum or vinyl, made from a composite material used in the aerospace industry for its strength, durability, and temperature resistance. It's big time right there. And Pella's vinyl window series offer all the features that make it one of the most energy efficient windows on the market with the same value and style you've come to expect from all Pella products with outstanding structural integrity. Built from multi-chambered, fully welded frames and sashes, Pella's vinyl windows assure a quieter, more comfortable home. Bottom line, Pella's vinyl and fiberglass windows are really, really cool. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And while we're here, let's talk about my good friends at Runza. Got another super secret menu item not a lot of people know about. My friends at Runza are hooking me up, and I'm going to let you in on it. This one's just, uh, you know, this one's near and dear to my heart because it's a twist on the best fries on earth. Runza's Crinkle Fries. It's Runza's Chili Cheese Fries. That's some legendary Runza Crinkle Fries topped with their homemade chili and cheddar cheese sauce. Let me say that again in case some of you passed out just thinking about it. Legendary Runza Crinkle Fries. Homemade chili, cheddar cheese sauce. Oh, my goodness. It's a side that eats like a meal. So there you go. Another super secret menu item exclusively for Nick Bob Podcast listeners. So stop in, order the chili cheese fries and runza, and while you're there, I'll tell them Nick Bob sent you. Okay, back to the podcast. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is is we're in an era where the kids want to play, and and the things outside of that don't matter as much, and, and that's what's maybe hard to understand, right? Like you can, like I think those are older guys that their mindsets are like, obviously you wouldn't leave if you were a team captain, unless things were terrible, but like, <laughs> cause you, Nick, Nick, 20 years ago, you would not do that. But right. now these guys, like they leave if they don't get to play. And that's, just, that's all this is. Like, I think they probably would say they love their time in Nebraska. They probably wish they would have won more and they probably wish they would have played more. But, like, they are not going to get to play as But much. they don't have anybody to blame but themselves for that. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I think, actually, like, Ed McCaffrey. I think Ed McCaffrey would sit with Luke and deep down inside. Now, you wouldn't say this to your son because, you know, you wanna, you, you, you're trying to make him feel good. But, like, at the same time, I feel like Ed's probably like, bro, you had you had your chance. You had it. Oh. Like, every you, opportunity. Cade Warner, the ball hit him in the end zone a couple times. He didn't catch it. 
and you were made and then a captain. All of a sudden, right. he didn't play much more after that. Nick. Right. But the ball came to him in the end zone. Like those are opportunities, and like it's unfortunate when you don't make them. Like that's just life, though. Like it, there's nothing, nothing bad to say about Cade Warner. Like sometimes no. the you, you, the breaks don't go your way, and it, and it doesn't work out. But that's just it. Those so two guys, like, Bo, had every opportunity in the world to not relinquish the positions they had as a mm-hmm. as one of the one of the good one of the groups of top wide receivers for Cade and he's dropping touchdowns and all that stuff and then for Luke he had you know like when 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 Drew Bledsoe went down T Braid came in and guess what T Braid didn't relinquish that right like that's it I, I mean I think about I mean, you remember my even to bring up my career, like from a football standpoint, like I wasn't the starting quarterback till halfway through my sophomore year. But when I had my chance, guess what? I didn't give it back. I was I was the man until I get until I was done, you know, and and so you had your chance like you had your chance to seize it. And they and both those guys didn't do it. So. I think in all reality, both those guys have nobody to blame but really themselves. And I'm not trying to be – like, I actually – I love Luke McCaffrey. I, I I mean, Cade Warner, I, I got no issues with Cade Warner. But, like, also, like, this is more in response to Sage's tweet. Like, well, yeah. you know you know what I mean? Like, th- these dudes – it's I don't think it's about a bad culture. I think these guys had their chance. They blew it. And now they're, they're – they know that. And they feel like they now got to go find a different situation. Yeah, I mean, to me, like to me, it all comes down to like. I think people are having the wrong kind. Con- like they're talking about culture. I'm talking where I'm more like, uh, we're just talking about playing time is all we're talking about. Like they they lost their opportunity to play. I think here, right? And and it's or it's going to be really hard to play uh, after you know sort of their their the the chance they had that they didn't take advantage of. You know, and and, and that's fair. I think it's fair. Yeah. And so I think though it, it's weird though that people are jumping to such extreme conclusions because the people that like us that are, you know, we're pretty close to this and follow it pretty closely and like we're not getting that impression at all. We're like, oh, he's leaving because he's not gonna get to play. Yeah. You know? So it's just you not know is, Bo. Like everything the, name, the names matter though. The names the matter. The names matter. That's the weird thing about it, is the yeah, the the names make a huge difference in this thing. And that and that's what's it's you can't separate that because that's a part of it, but I also think you can't solely because it's the, of the names view it completely different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, because Wand- Wandale's is different than Cade and than Cade and, and McCaffrey, even though they're all three big names, they're totally different situations. Wandale's is different. Yes, and let's be honest, everything is magnified and everything is viewed through a a bad lens when you're not winning. You know what I mean? If and and that's this is all a part of it. That isn't to to let Frost and the staff and the program off the hook because it's like they got to win games. But like, I also think some of this is like everything feels like a press code red panic button because they're not winning. Yeah, winning winning will solve everything. It will solve a lot of our recruiting issues, a lot of our you know quote unquote culture issues, uh, our you know quote unquote. Uh, uh, retention rates or whatever. Right. Like it, when you win, it helps a lot of it. And, and, and that's what these guys, these coaches have to do. They got to start getting these teams to win games uh, or, you know, it's going to be a long 
it's going to be a long, even slower rebuild than, than pop than we're expecting. And I, I think one of the things, cause you, you were touching on it and I think you're with me. We've had, you know, you and I, we got into one time a knockdown drag out over Tristan Jebbia and you know, like I think you and I understand how every single transfer is different. You know what I mean? Like I think at the time when Jebbia transferred, the hangup was the timing of it, right? Like, Yes, it's one thing it. to do it now. Like, notice we didn't ever once blame Luke, the timing of it for Luke is like this is when if you're going to do it, this is when you do it. What you don't do is go through camp and then the week before the season starts, you bail on your team. That's weak, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think within that conversation, we're I think we we're at the Starlight Lounge back when like you know like life people had a life they could go out and like you know be with other people and drink beers and like and talk at a bar and uh, all that stuff. Oh, I that sounds good. Those, I, I would those days. I would give anything to go into the Starlight Lounge with you and just scream at you with with beers, right? Like how good is that? Just sound? a good Nebraska football argument, <laughs> a debate to just take up our whole night. Yep. We'd look at our watches and go, is it really one? Where the last four hours go? And we'd be just. Oh, we'd, I want it. I want it calling back. the Uber and being like, we can't drive our oh, car. Home, I so. want that so bad. But I, w- the point I'm trying to make is I think throughout our conversations, I think we both have come to the realization that, like, we both understand, like, every transfer situation is different. You know what I mean? But I, I do yeah. think it's, from a broad sense, it is interesting how, like, few things elicit more hypocrisy from people than transfers in college. Because, like, it's interesting to me, like the transfers that are leaving your team are awful, but the transfers that are your team are, are they are getting are great. And yeah. it's like, well, <laughs> wait a minute. You know what I mean? It's like Marquis Step, Toure, uh, you, you know, uh, kind of I know a couple it. years ago. Like, <laughs> we, we love it. <laughs> all of them are like, these guys are great. Hey, man, they're just misunderstood. And they need another. They need some new scene, a new scenery, a new opportunity. And we're going to give them. Oh, what's that? Okay, oh, Warner and Luke McCaffrey live one day. Selfish, weak. Not team minded. guys. It's clear, Nick. It's pretty obvious. Not team guys. But those other guys, team guys. I yeah. think they so, uh, it's misunderstood. Just, yeah. It is. We don't have to make this whole conversation about about transfers, but like to kind of to kind of wrap it up. But like, it is interesting how the hypocrisy of how we kind of view it and talk about it. But I do think. There's no question, and this is maybe another pod for another day, the topic of transfers in college sports is a huge pressing issue that needs to be examined because there are a lot of layers and perspectives to this situation that I can understand a lot of different sides of it. You know what I mean? I can understand how for the betterment of college football, the transfer portal is a disaster, right? A total disaster. But for the individual player and them being able to always seek the best opportunity for themselves – I get it, right? Like, yeah, you know, and so I just, the the reality is people hate nuance. They feel like it's, we live in a world now where it's like you got to take a side and you have to, when you're on that side, you have to just rip the other side. And I feel like tra- the topic of transfers is one that I feel like I flip-flop a little bit depending on the, the element or the topic within the topic of transfers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I dislike transfers in general, but I, I think just a philosophy in life is I, I just it's hard for me to understand how you could tell a kid who's paying for or earned his like his scholarship or is paying for college is like as a walk on like how you can't go to school where you want to and 
play where you want like doesn't make any sense like that that goes kind of against like just the principle of it even though i dislike it like i dislike the idea of transfers uh, but I just think it goes against like the principle, the principle of it to say you can't do it. Right, because that's what's um, tough. Yeah, like Frost, Frost was afforded the freedom to look at leave. another situation yeah. and take it because he felt like that situation was better for him. It, it does feel wrong to say, well, Scott Frost can do it, but Luke McCaffrey can't do it. Like that doesn't. That's a hard sell for me. You know, yeah, I think I to me, Nick, the, the the my bigger my bigger issue is is more with the you should be able to go pro right out of high school, whether it's even though football it would be crazy right, to do that, possible, I mean, but especially basketball. But I do think if you are going to go to co- play college and you're going to accept this, like you, I think you should have to do three years. Because just because of this, let's be real. Like if it is about school and about going to college, it's going to take two and a half, three years minimum to graduate. Like that's just the way it is. So like you should say, okay, if I'm going to do it, if I'm a college basketball player and I'm going to go to college, I've decided this, I'm not going to go pro. I'm going to get an education. That should be the reason. Otherwise there should be a minor league or go overseas. But like it's need like college basketball needs a three-year commitment in the worst way. Oh boy. Um, and then they also, and then in both sports, they need this recruiting's insane. It needs to be, you can sign your letter of intent anytime after, you know, your junior year starts, but like, then you're committed to the school. None of this hard commit, soft commit, right. You know, flip flop, waste these coaches. T- like that whole game needs to be over. Like those would be my two big fixes. I guess I would leave transfers open. I don't like it. Maybe you do a one-time transfer, but I like, guess. I'm, I, I just, that's what's so it weird just about seems this tough to, to say no transfer. I know. That's what's so weird about I mean, this has come from a guy that transferred. Yeah. That, I, I, and I, I stand by what I said a second ago of like, it doesn't, it feels unfair to live in a world where a coach can leave and go take a situation that he thinks is better and, and do it right away, but a player can't. But at the same time, I'm also not if someone I'm also not in love with the idea of making it just the wild, wild west. Uh, anybody can, you know, you can leave and go be eligible right away. I think if you're going to go down that path, it has to you have to be limited to one, you know, like it have to be one or there's a you have to um, then sit out a year a or certain, something. Yeah, there's a sit the sit out year, like whether it's like a true, um, you know, like eight or 12 months of like, you can't play type of thing. Um, so that like, it's not like, you know, it doesn't absolutely kill you, kill you in timelines, but it's like, you can't, you can't transfer in the middle of a season or right. But, you know, I think that right before a season thing too is bad. Like it, you, you should have to be willing to sit because then people it, will really consider like, why am I doing this? You know? And I think what also is a bad look now is we need to have some uniformity, on on waivers and who is eligible and who isn't like this nonsense of like there the, yeah you know well, of this who guy gets, gets a waiver, waiver. Who doesn't like come on yeah you like, transfer either get it or you don't either you get it or you don't like it doesn't make any sense how we're we're taking this case by case and then within that there's no consistency of who gets it and who's not I don't know I'm not sitting here and telling you that I don't I don't have the 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 answer for solving the transfer thing. I mean, I think it's a really I think it's a really layered nuanced thing that I can see a lot of perspectives on it, but I think it's also something that we better be really careful with how we 
structure this because the the one thing I'm a college basketball lover, but the thing that dismantles college basketball is there's no continuity from year to year. None. Yeah. From players leaving every year Kentucky has a different team, Duke has a different team. This star player went to that, you know, like it's you don't get those storylines of teams being together which makes sports great. And so I think there has to be two schools of thought that you have to balance. We have to do what's best and what's right for the individual based on just kind of like life in general, but we also have to do what's best and what's right for the, for the long-term health and viability of the sport too. So yeah, I don't know what that looks like though, man. Like I said, I think the three, the three year uh, minimum, you know, once, once you decide to sign fixes that, but let me ask you this because you'd know better than anybody, Nick. Really, the one and done era started. It was more like Kevin Durant era, like oh seven eight kind of that ish. Is that yeah, kind of I the real? Like, I felt like Mello in two thousand three felt like the most high profile one and done. And maybe it's because he won a championship. I mean, we had had probably other one and duns, but I felt like the one and done era didn't really get rolling until yeah, like that probably that oh 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 four oh five oh six areas when it really started to kind of take off. But you could still go pro, right? Like, because didn't Dwight Howard wasn't he oh yeah. five? Yes, there was there was still a pathway for people to go straight to the pros. But then people need to realize that if this is the the whole one and done thing. This is an NBA rule. You know, it's the it's yeah. the NBA college basketball didn't make this rule of an age limit. The NBA did, and so yes. yeah, I don't. I just like well, I said. Well, so I, he, here's my question to follow that up, though, Nick. So let's say roughly late two thousands. So we're well over a decade of the one and done era. Is the one and done formula for these blue blood teams, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke? Um, UCLA, is that starting to fail now? Are they sort of is that washing? Because that was effective. I felt like even up till a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, you is had that now right. becoming unsustainable for these teams. Potentially, I mean, I think I think what it is is you. I think if I had to answer your question, I would say yes. Like I think there's a lot of programs that are going, man, this isn't a sustainable or or a good recipe for us to consistently compete for championships. Cause like I look at the team that has dominated college basketball, probably the two teams that have dominated college basketball the most over the last four or five years are Villanova and Virginia and Villanova and Virginia have had basically zero one and dones. They've been all like two, three, sometimes even four year guys that they get old and they stay old and like you look at this year's hard because you don't know how much this is like the pandemic is just kind of weird things like, you know, even in football, like Penn State sucked and Michigan sucked. Like you just don't know what to make of this year. But like, Bo, like Kentucky is like a bad basketball team this year. And they're like not going to make the NCAA tournament. Duke might not make the NCAA tournament. Like, so, yeah, I, I, I think there's also been a little bit of an unveiling of the whole, hey, you know, is just stockpiling one and dones every year really the right way to go? I don't know if it is. Well, I, I guess I was thinking about that, I had a conversation with a, with one of my work buddies about this. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about, okay, when you're building a culture, it's always the old guys that, you know, really introduce the culture to the young guys. 
And then a decade goes by and you have less and less and less good old guys ever. And then at some point you have no good old guys. And I just think about like, what would that be like then is coming in as a young guy where there's no good old guys and you're, you know, then it's all from the coach. And I think at some point you lose it your catches culture. Up. Yeah. 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 It catches up to you. I think you're right. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it just, well, I think the culture then becomes, this is a, we're here for a means to an end for, for, our, for each individual, right? Like it's, it's the most selfish form of any team we've ever seen. Like, because the guys are, I am here for six months, no interest in school, you know, it's like a layover. making sure we do me right. because I got to get my dress. It's like, and the coaches promised me that if I came here and I made them beg for it and, you know, wine and dine me for three years or five years or something right. since I was in eighth grade. Like, how, how do you sustain that and, and look? look a team in the eye and say, this is about team. I, d I don't know. I don't know either. And that, and that's the thing that I think, again, I love college basketball, but I'm also not naive and blinded to see its shortcomings. And I think what we're talking about are massive shortcomings with the sport. I mean, the sport's number one issue is it has zero continuity, zero. Like every mm -hmm. single season is different. Every one of them, you know, because the players and the teams change year to year. And, you know, I think people go, God, you guys have, you know, I thought this was a, a Luke McCaffrey pod. I think it's all a bigger picture of like, it, I just get nervous about like what you, the one thing college football has maintained is that like yep. the, the sense of continuity, the sense of, of established cultures that, that really are strong and you get these storylines. And I, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how this, how all this gets managed from a transfer standpoint, because I do think the transfer, the the transfer uptick and the one and done era really kind of cycling all the way through. You're seeing how college basketball has taken a hit on a lot of different in a lot of different ways. And I think if you're college football, you got to be real careful with how you're managing these things. Yeah, I think college, see, college football is is in such a better place than college basketball. But what I what I've noticed is what's kind of creeped into college football is um, the the patience the, the the patience from players is 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 so much decreased. Where one they're on most of them now are getting on campus uh, before their senior years of high school are up, so they're early right. enrollees, and then they're trying to get on the field and out of there by their junior years. No red shirt, right? So really. There was so many more fifth-year players even 10, 20 years ago than there are now where it's, you know, the good players are – they're trying to get out of there as quick as possible, which is – it's a smart business move, but it's also, um, you know, it's not maybe – as good for the sport, but it, it ha the fact they have to stay for three, it doesn't affect it nearly what it does for college basketball. Yes. I think if we're, you know, if we're writing down pressing issues for each sport, I gave you what it is for college basketball, lack of continuity year to year roster turnover is just, just brutal. And then for college football, I think right now the number one pressing issue is it's becoming way too Southern dominant. And it feels like only 
three or four teams matter every year. Like, yeah. So I think spreading that out, but then the 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 second option that or the second pressing issue that is it feels like it's maybe in the distance, but it's potentially not is this transfer stuff. Like that you got to be that that'll be interesting to see how all that gets structured and then what that looks like. Because, oh, by the way, this could all coincide with name, image, and likeness getting granted where guys can go prop, you know, make money off themselves, which I think you and I are both okay with in, in some form or fashion. But that's a lot of change in a short period of time. And I just – the the one thing you never want to – I guess the one thing you never want to be is arrogant of thinking that your sport will always be – is too big to fail and will always be relevant. Never forget, at one point in our country, the the three biggest sports were baseball, boxing, and horse racing. Yep. And those three sports, I mean, baseball and boxing now are like not even like, I mean, not even a thing. Or, sorry, uh, boxing and horse racing are not even a thing. And baseball has become extremely, uh, you know, regionalized and you know you're a fan of your team you're not a fan of necessarily all of baseball and and ratings have suffered so I guess I say all that to say like never you know you got to be careful with how you're structuring things because you never know what could ultimately hurt your your entire sport yeah I mean um, it, it I just watched remember I watched the the, the Ken 10, Burns the 10 part Ken Burns documentary and it was great but it was basically great in, like through the 1960s and then football overtook it. Like baseball, baseball just slowly started making mistakes. And, you know, like I, I think football, football's got to be careful. Basketball, basketball's got to get be really careful. I feel like basketball was, was taking off. And now I feel like it's maybe even at the NBA it, level, Bo, like even at, yeah. I think the biggest thing hurting the, the, the NBA is the roster turnover and lack of continuity where every freaking year, everybody's on a different team and, and not just yeah. that. Like we're talking about the main superstars. Like that is, I don't care what anybody says. Like I can be for player empowerment. And that's what, like, I guess like I can be for, uh, you know, James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James doing what they want to do and what they deem is best for themselves. Just like I can be for Luke McCaffrey and Wandale Robinson and Cade Warner doing what they deem is best for themselves, but also recognize the ramifications for the sport and say that that's also maybe problematic too, you know? So, yeah, I think the NBA needs to, like, you know, they have a little bit of those, like, contract, it was like, like the, the bird rights yeah, or, right. you know, something like that. Incentivize they, staying with your team. They've tried to yeah, do that, it, but. It should be, Nick, it should be like, I think the NBA should be like, we want to, we want to incentivize these guys to stick with their, like the superstars to stick with their hometown teams, right? They should, like, pay, be able to pay those guys, like, an extra Fifty million dollars or something, right? To stay because those guys are worth. In the end, those guys are worth it to their cities, and they're they're the superstars are actually underpaid for what their value is. And I think it, they should do something along those lines of like, okay, to actually get your value, it should be in the town that you know you you grew up in or whatever that that you that you came up with. Because if you really dislike it there, you can let the money stay and you can walk. But like. Right now, the difference in money is not enough. It's right. like, 
it's like you get the extra year or not, but you can get that year anyway later. It's like, it should be like, no, in the same amount of years, you get like 20 or 50 million bucks and you say, okay, let's see who really wants to leave that money on the table. Right. No doubt. (laughs) Like LeBron, even I mean, maybe LeBron leaves, everybody else stays. They're going, I'll take my 20 million extra. You know? So to tie it all back to Nebraska, to, to wrap up the transfer topic here, I do. I, I think the transfer portal and the, what feels like inevitability of everyone being able to transfer and be eligible right away is in the long term hurts a program like Nebraska. Do you agree? Long term, yes, because we're probably going to get less transfers. And uh, and yeah. I think Nebraska needs to be a developmental program. Like, and if you if if you're going to be kind of hanging your hat on your you know your redshirt sophomores and redshirt juniors being the guys that then kind of like get on the field and take off, like, well, I don't know how often that's going to realistically be the case. And if you're a developmental program and guys are afforded opportunities to bail on the development process and go cash in somewhere else, I think that's something that, you know, we talk about all the different changes to Nebraska football and how it's all hurt it over the last 20 years. I now, I I would say as of right now, and I mean, we'll see, I, I think the transfer, the, the one-time free transfer rule that could go into effect, I think ultimately would hurt a program like Nebraska. I think it hurts Nebraska. I think... Um just the, this generation's Nebraska, recru- you know, in-state recruit is being recruited by more schools. There, There's more film out on more players. And then the North Dakota States, the South Dakotas, the Wyomings, they're taking five to 10 guys out of Nebraska every year. That used to be pretty much a lock as walk-ons, right? Right. Like that's the other part of this too, that, uh, you know, or the guys we do get to walk on maybe after a year or two go, well, I want to play somewhere else. And that transfer then makes it a lot easier to do that. You know? So I don't know. I feel like the, the transfer stuff doesn't help Nebraska. I don't think anywhere. (laughs) I think, I think the one thing that, that solves really, you could say this solves everything, but the one thing that, that makes it not as detrimental is, is if you start winning. Because the yeah. one, the the one thing people will be patient for is if they feel like they're being patient to play for a big time winner. Look at a guy like Mac Jones at Bama this year. Like he probably had numerous opportunities to bail, but he didn't because he felt like, well, shit. All I if I get once it becomes my chance, we're gonna win and win big. It and so I think that the one thing that could help make that one-time transfer rule not be as impactful to Nebraska as if Nebraska got to where they were winning because people are more poised to want to stick around and be patient when they feel like they're ultimately going to play for a winner. Yeah, I mean, I think the the it's funny. The more more we talk about Nebraska's future, it's like winning is the only solution. Like, it's yeah. like all the – every single solution that we can come up with doesn't really matter if we can't win. Like, it all depends – if we can win, we can survive. If we can't put together some winning seasons, like it's going to be a long road back for Nebraska. No, Not impossible, but really tough. No question about it. 
So there you go. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we we started we started with talking Luke. We ended big picture stuff with transfers and everything. anything we missed there. I mean, I felt like I don't know. I always feel like Husker fans look at us for some sort of like sense of of therapy or you know trying to talk it through. I hope we made people feel better about everything there. Well, I, yeah, I think we you know I think we both were pretty clear that we think that the program didn't get a Crushed. lot worse this week. Yeah. You know, it's. It's unfortunate when the, the some of the big names and captains go, but like, I mean, the strength of the team has not gone down. We're still, we still are what we are, um, and we, like I said, it, it's just unfortunate that you know some bad optics kind of follow those names. I think, but yeah, there you go. All right, pal. Well, you go get you go get some. I don't know if you're an ibuprofen guy. Go ice your. I mean, after shoveling for three hours today, you probably need to stretch. Get some ibuprofen, maybe some whiskey. I don't know what you need, but you need to go take care of your body, Doug. This is the the life of a, show, a snow shoveler. <laughs> I love it. Tough. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.